Good morning to Radha Kalachanji Dam. Good morning to all of the assembled devotees. We are reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, text, uh, Canto 1, chapter 3, text 22. And the chapter is explaining Krishna is the source of all incarnations. Oh, that's good. Thank you, Papa. Um, in every single planet, every single universe, there's a different incarnation, but it's all the Lord. And it's overwhelming to try to even remember the names of them, but we've been given primary ones, and it's always good to read Trila Prabhupada's books to discover a little bit further, but before we read the text, we'd like to sing Jaya Radha Madhava. Jayaradhamadhava Kunjabihari Jayaradhamadhava Kunjabihari Jaya Gopi Janavalabha Kirivaradari Jaya Gopi Janavalabha Kirivaradari Yashoda Nandana Braja Chadaranjanan Yashoda Nandana Braja Chadaranjanan Yamuna Tiravanachari Yamuna Tiravanachari Jayaratamadhava Kunja Bihari Jaya Gopi 
Jaya Gopi Shanavalaba Kirivaradari Yashoda Nandana Braja Chararanjanan Yashoda Nandana Braja Chararanjanan Yamuna Tiravanachari Yamuna Tiravanachari Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Jaya Radha Kala Chanji Radha Kala Chanji Radhe Jaya Radha Kala Chanji Radha Kala Chanji Radhe Jaya Jaya Jagannath 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 Jaya Jaya Jagannath Jaya Jaya Baladev 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 Jaya Jaya Baladev Jaya Jaya Subhadra 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 Jaya Jaya Subhadra Jaya Jaya Gornitai 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 Jaya Jaya Gornitai Jaya 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 Radha Damodara Radha Damodara Radhe Jaya Radha Damodara Radha Damodara Radhe Nitai Goro Haribo 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 Nitai Goro Haribo 
Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Again, we're reading the first canto, third chapter, 22nd text. And it's going through the various incarnations of Lord Krishna, starting with the very first, and we're on the 18th incarnation. And it's really interesting because, as I said, you can read a book so many times and then you get new ideas, and when it's transcendental knowledge, it's like knowledge you've never, ever imagined you could contain because each time you pick up a little bit more information. So we'll get into this text. Naradevatmam apana surakariya chirchikshaya Samudra nigraha dinam chakre virayani ataparam Naradevatpam apanat surakarya chikirshaya Samudra nigraha dini chakre virayati ataparam Naradevatma apana surakarya chikirshaya Samudra negraha deni chakra veyaniyata param. Would either one of you like to repeat, please? Naradevana parma surakara chikirshaya samudra negraha dena. Chakraviryani Ataparam Naradevatma Apanam Surakariya Chakirshaya Samudra Nigrahadani Chakraviryani Ataparam Word for word, Nara, human being, Devatnam, Devatvam, divinity, Apana, having assumed the form of Sura, demigods, 
Karya. Activities. Chikirshaya. For the purpose of performing. Samudra. The Indian Ocean. Nigraha Adini. Controlling. Etc. Chakra. Did perform. Viryani. Superhuman prowess. Ataparam. Thereafter. And the translation is in the 18th incarnation, the Lord appeared as King Ram in order to perform some pleasing work for the demigods. He exhibited superhuman powers by controlling the Indian Ocean and then killing the atheist King Ravana, who was on the other side of the sea. Purport, the personality of Godhead Sri Ram assumed the form of a human being and appeared on the earth for the purpose of doing some pleasing work for the demigods or the administrative personalities to maintain the order of the universe. Sometimes great demons and atheists like Ravana and Hiranyakashipu and many others become very famous due to advancing material civilization by the help of material science and other activities with the spirit of challenging the established order of the Lord. For example, the attempt to fly to other planets by material means is a challenge to the established order. The conditions of each and every planet are different, and different classes of human beings are accommodated there for particular purposes mentioned in the codes of the Lord. But puffed up by tiny success and material advancement, sometimes the godless materialists challenge the existence of God. Ravana was one of them, and he wanted to deport ordinary men to the planet of Indra, heaven, by material means without consideration of the necessary qualifications. He wanted a staircase to be built up directly reaching the heavenly planet so that people might not be required to undergo the routine of pious work necessary to enter that planet. He also wanted to perform other acts against the established rule of the Lord. He even challenged the authority of Sri Ram, the personality of Godhead, and kidnapped his wife Sita. Of course, Lord Ram came to chastise this atheist, answering 
the prayer and desire of the demigods. He therefore took up the challenge of Ravana and the complete activity is the subject of the Ramayana. Because Lord Ramachandra was the personality of Godhead, he exhibited superhuman activities which no human being, including the material, materially advanced Ravana, could perform. Lord Ramachandra prepared a royal road on the Indian Ocean with stones that floated on the water. The modern scientists have done research in the area of weightlessness, but it is not possible to bring in weightlessness anywhere and everywhere. But because weightlessness is the creation of the Lord by which he can make the gigantic planets fly and float in the air, he made the stones, even within this earth, to be weightless and prepared a stone bridge on the sea without any supporting pillar. That is the display of the power of the Lord. You know, sometimes it boggles the mind when um, the Lord performs superhuman acts and the um, uh, entities, the spirit souls, see these superhuman acts and it just boggles the mind that it doesn't dawn on them. This is something that they cannot do, so this is really something they can't do. This is super this is superhuman. So this individual has to be pretty important. But yug after yug, you find people still still trying to outdo the Lord and overcome the Lord and do all types of things to put themselves in the position of the Lord. And uh, Ravana is no different. And you think over 500 years ago, the Lord walked on this earth. Well, he's walked on the earth many times, but more recently, he's walked on this earth in the form of a devotee to show devotees how a devotee should behave, how he should honor the scriptures, how he should honor guru, and on and on and on, a perfect example. And even as recently as that, you still find individuals that are still not convinced. Now, True, Lord Ramachandra took the position, took the form uh, of this superhuman uh, being that he is. Uh, in it was to end 
Ravana because Ravana was becoming a pest. But if you go into the scriptures a little bit more, you'll find that even the demons have a purpose. And sometimes they take that purpose on for the pleasure of the Lord. Now, from what I'm remembering, um, Ravana and Ravana's brother, oh my gosh, what's his, Kumbhakarna? Yes, they were originally um, guards at the gate of the heavens, uh, Jai and Vijay. And then they, well, anyway, they offended the four Kumaras because, of course, the four Kumaras, as they are, walked around. They were so highly elevated that they roamed around nude. And that wasn't unheard of at the time. I've gone to different places to this day, and I see little boys you know, they're young and they're walking around nude. That's what they do. But Jai and Vijay uh, were offensive to them. They wouldn't allow them to enter into the gates. And long story short, Ravana and the Lord had an arrangement that Ravana would come, Jai and Vijay would come back as brothers and in three lifetimes, as opposed to seven lifetimes, they could attain the uh, spiritual planet. Um, But they would have to take the position of the Lord's enemies. So even though Ravana was inimical, inimical to the Lord, he had a role to play. And whenever the Lord takes you out, whenever the Lord ends your life, you attain the your spiritual form and you attain liberation. So that was one of Ravana's purposes. But the the interesting thing about demons, and he played his role well. I mean, he had a role to play, played it perfectly. Um, he became puffed up. But going back, it talks about what happens when a society is materially advanced, uh, even technologically advanced. When a society gets to that point, people behave in demoniac ways. The society becomes degraded. Society becomes degraded because now you have um, human beings that are creating things as if they created it themselves, there's nothing that anyone in this world can create without the help of the Lord. But they do, and then it, it keeps going. It's like, I got to make this, let me get this better and better. And then it gets to the point where they forget that there's only a need for so much in the world. There's only um, a need to be able to um, to feed yourself, to be self-sufficient. Uh, to grow, to have, to even grow to the point where you grow your own clothing, to be able to exist without all of the high technology. But at this point now, for us to go back to that, it, to that situation where life was so simple, where 
food was so much purer, where you all are so young, but you're mature, but you don't remember butter tastes like butter and milk coming from the cow. Oh my gosh. It was so pure and sweet and it had an aroma to it and butter had, you think ghee has a smell to it. Ghee, you can't beat the aroma, but butter when I was growing up was butter. You can put a little bit on a biscuit or toast and so, yes, advancing in material society has a purpose, but there's a limit. But here you've got this character, Ravana, who wants to sidestep all of the Lord's rules, and he wants to build a stairway <laughs> to to heaven. He wants to... Yeah, he wants to just, uh, well, no, no one has to be special. You just go up the stairs and, and you can get to heaven with no special qualifications. Well, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. To go to see, it always use the, uh, a high official. To go see a high official, you have to be, you, you have to be checked out. You have to have certain qualifications. You can't have a, uh, shady background. Um, there's so many hoops that you have to jump through to get to see someone uh, of a higher position. Well, we're talking about going to the heavenly planet. And Ramachandra, as a demon, feels that he doesn't have to do anything special except build a stairway to it. So he was becoming a nonsense, and he was asking for boons. But you notice, even before when he and his brother appeared as Hiranya and uh, Hiranya Kasipu and Hiraksha, um, Hiranya Kasipu was asking for boons. And as a rule, one of the main things that demons are asking for is immortality. Cannot have. Because the Lord is Lord of everything. And even uh, they were asking, I think they, well, they were asking Brahma. And even Brahma doesn't have immortality. Even Brahma um, leaves his body and returns, but he lives so much longer than we do. But anyway, the uh, the Asuras, the demons want to live longer. So that was one of um, one of the things that Ravana was uh, arranging as he was becoming um, known for <laughs> trying to build a stairway to heaven. Um, come to think of it, there was a song, but let's not get into that. And on top of this, there's a difference when you do not know who the Lord is and when you know the Lord. Now, when you don't know who the Lord is, you know, you're, 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 you're considered innocent. Uh, you can't be faulted for that until you come to the level of being determined or sincerely wanting to know the Lord. And then you take the necessary steps to know the Lord. Lord doesn't fault you for not knowing him. But when you know the Lord and you know his powers and you know that he is the supreme personality of Godhead and you 
still do not want to follow his rules, then you're a demon. You can be the most highly elevated, most recognized devotee. And from the scriptures, we're to understand and know that Ravana was expert in um, in the scriptures. He was most expert in chanting the Maha Mantra. He was very expert in performing sacrifices. So he was not a stupid, he was not an ignorant person. He was... His senses were extremely dull as far as understanding and recognizing the Lord, but he came from a a, a, a fairly uh, um, highly known um, family. So he didn't have a really bad background. He knew who the Lord was. However, he chose to not go according to what the Lord's requirements are. And usually that's where we run into problems. We know what to do, but we do, we choose not to do it. And we want to instead be the Lord. And that gets back to the point where we're all here in this material world because we wanted to do the things that the Lord did. We wanted to enjoy as the Lord. So we're here. So Ravana wanting to live eternally, wanting to be recognized as someone that was more powerful than the Lord. And he was extremely powerful. He was a very powerful individual. But, of course, the Lord was much more powerful. But Ravana was so, his mind was so confused. Um, he was so degraded, his thoughts, and he wanted to take the Lord's wife. Now, it's bad enough to want to be the Lord, but when the Lord has possessions, and we're all part and parcel of this. But when you talk about taking someone's wife, or let alone a girlfriend, but a wife, you knew Ravana was no longer a sane individual. And the Lord gives you so many opportunities to do the right thing. The most patient Father, parent, mother, father in the world, the most patient, the most loving. Like a child, you give them so many opportunities. Okay, you know what the rules are. This is what you're supposed to do. Children are intelligent. They come here intelligent. They know things that we don't realize that they know. But Ravana had opportunities to change his ways, and he chose not to. So when you've had that many opportunities and the Lord has to make a point, the Lord makes a point. First it's subtle, then it's a little bit more, or a little less subtle, and then the Lord has to, and I keep saying for lack of a better word, he has to slam um, the devotee sometimes. And Ravana was intelligent, he knew better. He did so many offensive things, but the Lord Ram, um, and I skipped this part, uh, was um, 
banned from the kingdom of his father because one of his father's wives was quite jealous. Even in that time, they were quite jealous. You have all the wives, and the the Lord is the uh, king is giving them so much. But there was an opportunity for one of the sons, Ram, to become or to follow in his father's footsteps and to attain the throne. So one of the mothers uh, took offense to it based on what one of the uh, maidservants came to her and said, you know, we should be very careful, always, you know, again, be careful of our association, but, you know, you've got a maidservant right there. They know you. They know the ins and outs of what makes you happy, what makes you sad. And she comes in and she gets um, the mother totally riled up to the point where the mother asks for some boons that the father was going to give her some time ago, and she asked for them then. The boons that the uh, the king's wife, the queen, wants is for uh, Ram to go to the forest and to remain there for 14 years so that her son can take on the throne. I'm skipping points because I believe it's in the ninth canto, 10th chapter, that the story of Ram uh, is gone into in detail. Anyway, the Lord always travels with his associates. His brother Lakshmana uh, went with him to the forest. Sita was there. Uh, Hanuman um, and mm, one or two other um, very special, uh, very, um, very, very special uh, souls were there with him in the in the forest. Long story short. He was not alone. Also, what has been noted is that during this process of the the Ram, Leela, the Lord displayed superhuman powers. He was able to place pebbles or have the uh, Hanuman and his his, uh, other, uh, the monkeys, and they were demigods, They were not just ordinary monkeys. Place pebbles on the Indian Ocean so that he could make a pathway to rescue Sita from Ravana. And these pebbles were not supported by anything, and they were not just little stones. They were big rocks. Well, let me not call them pebbles. They were rocks. And the rocks were placed across the Indian Ocean, and they float it. And to this day, no scientist can figure out or find any type of material that can float like that, like it did in Treta Yug. Nothing in the world that can be done. And that should tell anyone that this was done by a superhuman. Uh, this was This is recorded in the Ramayana, and they think it's an Indian fable, but it isn't. It's recorded. And within the last, I think, last 10 or 15 years, they've discovered the city underneath the water and the pebbles, the stones, the bridge that was there. It is still there. So if you say all of this was just a fantasy, well, why is this underneath the water? This is People 
have, this has been discovered. So it's not something that one has made up. But getting back to the 18th incarnation of the Lord and the purpose of his appearance is it's a well-known fact that when the world becomes um, degenerate, contaminated, when things are not perfect, when the Lord has, the Lord comes to rescue his devotees and to banish the miscreants of those that are causing trouble, he appears for that purpose. He appears for the pleasure of his devotees so that they will experience the pastimes that he goes through. And he also appears during these incarnations to teach or to give a lesson every single time that there is an incarnation. There is a purpose to the incarnation. In this way, the Lord was banishing or destroying Ravana. And the planet, as far as the administration of the planet and maintaining uh, the planet, it was a little off cycle, so he came. He comes at that time all the time. To give you the ending would just give you, most of you, both of you, and those that are listening know the story of uh, Ramachandra. You know how it begins. You know the in-betweens. You know the ending. But getting back to chapter 3, we're going through the incarnations of the Lord. And later, in the various cantos, the incarnations will be described in more depth. But the point is, Srila Prabhupada is setting the foundation for us to understand these incarnations. And then again to understand that even in all of the incarnations, the Lord is always delivering his devotees. He's always rescuing his devotees. And he's always taking care of the miscreants. You can count on the Lord for that. So, one of the points that I wanted to make, and I don't like to be um, so heavy sometimes, but as a devotee, you have to be honest, and you have to relate according to the things that are going on. And even as devotees, we have to be very careful. You can be on the, the, the uh, path of um, elevation, of going from different levels as a devotee. And at a point, you become quite powerful. And a lot of devotees have fallen. A lot of pe- not only devotees, but in various religions, people have become so, so powerful that it's gone to their heads. So... Out of all of these incarnations, as the Lord comes, it's a lesson. Humility is extremely important. 
You have to be very, very careful as you are progressing through life, and in particular, when you're progressing in spiritual life, you remain humble. Humility is not a weakness, it is a strength. If you think it's a weakness, try to be humble during a trying situation, a situation where it just doesn't seem possible that you can hold yourself or maintain a level of calmness or rationale when something is going on. It's very difficult sometimes. But we have to rise above various situations. We have to not let the fact that the Lord has given us various potencies and boons of power and not allow it to go to our heads. Because when we recognize that we've been given those gifts, it is to make us even more humble because it just increases what the Lord gives you as opposed to letting it swell the head, swell the ego, the ahankara. You get out of control. You forget who's in charge. And then we fall. So for those of us that have been on the devotional path, for a couple of years, quite a few years, many years. Don't think the Lord hasn't had his eye on you. And he knows everything that we do, even when no one else sees it. And if you see someone that seems to be rising and they don't seem to be doing anything extraordinary, There's more to it than what you're actually seeing. Some of the most powerful devotees have been the most humble. Look at our parampara on the altar. No fantastic egos, but they took to the service of serving the Lord, serving the Lord's mission. Srila Prabhupada, humility, humble. How would I, how could I come to another country and not have that country's denomination of Lakshmi in my possession and go on faith? That's a, that's a tremendous lesson, too. It means that when you know that the Lord is behind you, no matter what the outward appearances seem to be, go on faith. Go on faith, because... We each have an eternal relationship with the Lord. We know intuitively that at some point our purpose is serving the Lord and mainly serving through someone else. That's when the Lord is the most happy. You don't, the Lord doesn't need us to dress him, to feed him, but he allows us to have these pastimes, these associations with him so that we can understand his love for us and we can develop our love for him and in the process remaining humble even though you may have a considerable amount of power and potency you kind of keep it you kind of keep it tongue in cheek or you don't make a big deal out of it. 
those are the individuals that rise through life. Not those that are stuck with human, uh, tremendous egos and you want to outdo the creator. And most, most demons, that is their goal. The very fact that someone is more powerful than them drives them crazy. So you know they're insane. Everything comes from the Lord. Everything. We seem to fall off track when we have that thought process of mine, mine, mine. When you understand that everything you have belongs to the Lord and you surrender it and dovetail everything that you're doing, jobs, prashadam, how we dress, we dress for the Lord. We dress for the Lord. There's a, there's a certain way to do that too. But to rein it back in and get back on track again, there was a lesson that was to be learned from the uh, Ramachandra uh, pastime. And again, in the 18th incarnation, the Lord appeared as King Ram in order to perform some pleasing work for the demigods. He exhibited superhuman powers by controlling the Indian Ocean and then killing the atheistic King Ravana, who was on the other side of the sea. And that is, in essence, the foundation that's being laid for the uh, upcoming ninth canto where this will be discussed. So um, does anyone want to share, add, or make a comment? You have the um, mic. Oh, good. I'm glad you got this. Yes, Naratam. Thank you. I really enjoy your classes. Thanks for coming and giving class. There was a few things that crossed my mind. One, um, my grandma gave the example of a hyperbolic curve. Are you familiar with that? Vaguely. Okay, so what a hyperbolic curve is, is say you have point A, and that's where we are, and then you have point B, and that's where Krishna is. So there's like a straight line that goes to Krishna, right? Which is like what you're describing yeah. in class, humility and following the practice and yes. dressing and devotionally and so forth. Now, a hyperbolic curve, and we could actually... Um, Use some colloquial English here and call it a diabolic curve. A diabolic curve. <laughs> Sorry, near Tom. Yes, diabolic curve. See, so if you're down there at A, right, and here's the straight line to B, but you make a slight deviation, okay? So if you follow that, in the course of the time, you're far, far away from point yes. B. Yes, yes. So that's why it's really, you know, important for us to stay close, you know, in the association of devotees and practice, you know, under guidance and, you know, with in a situation that allows us to remain satisfied while we're going forward. So I wanted to ask you a question about, you know, this, this, this deviant, you know, the deviation, right? Which is basically the desire for material enjoyment. Okay, so I was reading in the Ramayana, there's a final chapter to the Ramayana conclusion. It's a discussion between Lord Ramachandra and Atreya Rishi. And they discuss the history of Ravan 
and all of the personalities that surrounded mm-hmm. Robin. So, um, what's really kind of um, what's really interesting was Robin like provided like I don't know what you want to compare it to like a, the Playboy Mansion. Right, he provided. He he was so powerful. He defeated Kuvera, and he took away Kuvera's yes. city made yes. of gold. Right. So mm-hmm. anyway, without going too much into it, like you know, the descriptions are kind of like it was like a a twenty four hour orgy with with orgy with a, with you know intoxication and every wild thing that you could possibly imagine. Well, you know, wild women and wealth and everything. So um, in his palace and in the the city. So, um, what he was doing was he was buying friends. Okay, so there were great personalities. Like, if you follow, if you study the people that were surrounding him, they were all unique warriors, great personalities, great, like, um, uh, uh, you know, like you said, Ravan was an expert mm. of Vedic um, mm. sacrifice and so forth. So, but what he was able to do was he was able to convince people that, look at, I'll make you the richest woman on earth if you join me. I'll give you everything you've ever desired if you join me. And so what was happening was people were lining up and becoming subservient to him because of the tremendous amount of material enjoyment that he was offering them. Because he was literally taking things away from the demigods, you know, and, and, you know, offering that to people that were submissive to him, mm-hmm. right? In exchange for his own, you know, sensual exploitation of them or whatever may be included in that. Mm-hmm. But, but also, um, so that's my question. See, it seems very natural to desire material things, you know. You certainly wouldn't trade your new Lexus for a motor rickshaw. You know, you you wouldn't want to give up, you know, a beautiful home for a broken down, you know, uh, a rat and cockroach infested house. Right? Mm. So it seems natural to desire that, and it seems natural to desire more and more. Oh, why wouldn't someone desire a beautiful wife? Why wouldn't someone desire superhuman opulences, a powers, position, respect? Mm. You see? All right. So that's my question. My question is that it seems material desire is quite natural. So when you're saying that, well, you know, just be a humble person that's not interested in these things and go on with your Krishna consciousness, it kind of sounds like you're advocating a morbid life of self-denial. Hmm. You're, 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 you're advocating, you know, give up your aspirations, give up, you know, what you claim to be success and perfection, you know, and, and just submit. Submit to someone else, submit to a guru, submit to the, you know, to this practice, submit to things that you don't like. So that's my question. You know, it sounds like, to the average person that's not very wise um, in life and uh, understanding the path, uh, spiritual path of, of knowledge, the average person really is not so connected 
with the Lord because we're in this material planet. We're on this material planet. We're covered. We've forgotten who we are. But the one thing we will never, ever be rid of is desire. We're always going to have a desire for something. The point is, what are these things that you're desiring? Okay, you want uh, um, uh, better house, better car, fantastic, gorgeous uh, uh, line of clothing, unlimited Lakshmi. But then after that, after you get this, after you get this maximum of that, then what? You will never, ever stop desiring these material things because that is the nature of the individual in the material world until he has come across the understanding of spiritual knowledge. Material anything. First of all, you can't take it with you to the grave. First of all, and secondly, it is not temporary. It is not permanent. It is all temporary. Even if you live your life totally with all the things in the world one could imagine, and we know, you know, even uh, at, at our ages and, and even the younger, you know of individuals that have had the very best of the best, and they're not happy. Our purpose is to live simply but the knowledge that we acquire should be much higher than the way that we are living which means that we are living in the proper manner of a devotee that is trying to maintain or get back his relationship with the Lord we only need the basics because the world has gotten to the point where you need to have an iPhone, you need to have a a, a house that has the um, what are they the cathedral ceilings? It has to be brick. It has to have two, three floors. You have to have this line of furniture in order to be with this particular crowd. But none of these particular crowds are very happy. I always say, I always say, and I'm not ever ashamed to say, some of my closest friends are not materially rich, but they're spiritually wealthy. These are my associates and my associations. All of this glamour, all of this that Ravana was offering to these individuals and taking from one person or taking, as you say, from the demigods to give it to these individuals so that he can control them. They weren't happy because, first of all, it was Ravana giving it to them and it was almost like they were indebted to him. Why would you be indebted to someone whose, whose personality does not mean that you are going to um, develop some higher knowledge or higher consciousness, that you're just going to be the type that's greedy for this and greedy for that. And then when you're at the point where you're on your deathbed, what do you have? You, you've got absolutely nothing. The devotee, when he has lived his life properly, even on the deathbed, 
even though the process of death can be very complicated, can be very trying for the average individual. The devotee is most times, most times able to go through that process with a lot less of a heavy heart than the average individual that is indulged in complete sense gratification because the devotee knows that his life is not ending at that point, that it is just a continuation, a transition. The average person that has just lived it up and lived it down knows nothing else, and they're shaking at that point. Now they want to know what's going to happen next. What? Tell me about... Tell me about this Lord you're talking about. People wait until they're so much older in age to find out about the Lord, whereas devotees, when we are fortunate enough to come across this knowledge, take it, use it, understand that the world that is surrounding you is not necessarily the world that you have to be a part of. You can live very nicely in this world with just the basics, and have a very light heart, even though things may be going on around you. You hear fire trucks, uh, shotguns, you know, going off. You're not shaken by these things because you know who's in control. These individuals that Ravana was giving this and giving that to, they thought Ravana was in control, and he was a rascal. So what did they have to live for? What did they have to look forward to? Those that are God conscious know better and they live better. Thank you so much. Thank you for asking that. Yes, Prabhu. Oh, oh. Yes, Mother Nandini. Hi, Thank you very much. I was thinking that um, even after Hanuman burned the, the city of Lanka, still Ram persisted. Because he was also being uh, guided by um, a, I guess you could say, demoniac council, which mm-hmm. is in a stark contrast to King Yudhisthira, who was guided by Lord Krishna mm. and taking um, guidance from saintly yes. guides. So, yes. so even even when. Everything was burned to the ground. Still, he uh, he persisted. Yes, he persisted against the most. Uh, you know, he he still felt no. I can I can defeat. I can win. <laughs> so such a mentality. Even when you you're making the stark difference between devotees and non devotees. Even when uh, when difficulties strike for devotees, mm-hmm. they become more dependent on Krishna. Yes. They turn more and more to Krishna where you find, uh, and it's not, we're all, de- everyone is a devotee of Krishna. Just some are, are blessed to uh, be aware of that and some are not. Mm. So those that are not aware that they are eternal parts and parcels of Krishna, when difficulty strikes, mm. they turn to drugs, they turn to alcohol, they turn to, and then they, why me? You yeah. know, why, yes. why me? Yes. And the other it's, quick thing I wanted to say was um, years ago, we had a business in New York City on 444 Madison Avenue. 
And I would ride up and down the elevator with Led Zeppelin, and that's the song, Climbing a Stairway to Heaven. Ah, yes. you remember that you one. You try to remember. <laughs> I couldn't Krishna. remember who, I couldn't remember, but yes, yes. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Thank you, Nandini, for sharing that. Yes, a really nice class. Oh, thank, thank you for you that. Uh, I just like to reflect on your uh, answer to Narutam Prabhu's question that, um, like, it's our nature as the self, as the soul. When we are eternal, we are full of knowledge, and we are looking for bliss. Mm-hmm. And that aspect of eternality, it's like we desire something that is permanent, but it's like. We're looking for that permanent and something that's yes. temporary. Yes. And that's exactly what Ravan did. I mean, he, he was very knowledgeable yes, in was. the sastras and things like that, but he still chose for the temporary. He did. And that kind of like eventually went to his demise mm. in that, in that path. Absolutely. So, um, yes, to, to choose when we are given this knowledge and it's like our choice, what we want to do with it. And it's either we go, yes. you know, we take to Krishna consciousness or not. Exactly. Or, yeah. And it's, it's like, uh, and these pastimes are very nice examples mm. of this. Mm. It's like, uh, obviously it's like, um, it's on the next level, you can say. It is. And, but it's like a real nice example of, if we choose Krishna, or if we choose to be in this material world, what will happen is if we choose Krishna, we'll have, we may have simple lives like our parampara, they, mm. they never, um, took to material gain so much. But their life is just so full of meaning and so full of, exactly. it's just like this mission to preach Krishna consciousness. And even, um, Gaur Kishordas Bhavaji March was very, very simple, but he was like simple living, high thinking. Yes. Exactly. Yes, like and uh, another thing that that struck me in your um, in your in your lecture is that um, you said that talents are just uh, these are just gifts that Krishna gives to us. Oh, yeah. And a few weeks ago, I was listening to a lecture by Burjan Prabhu when he was in Hong Kong, and that he said that yeah, Krishna gives us these talents as gifts, like you're a good singer or you're you know, do play Murdanga mm-hmm. so nicely, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And and we become proud because we have this, but these are just actually gifts from Krishna. And he said that just as gifts are given, they can also be taken. Yes, away. they can very easily, very quickly. very easily. Yes, and very we become quickly. so proud of something that doesn't ultimately belong to us. That's true. Yeah. And yeah, humility is, is such such a big part. Yes. For that. But thank thank you, you so much. Thank you so much for, for mentioning that. Can you, I mean, can you imagine when you've got, what do they call it, mother wit common sense and you understand this is the Lord and you get a super chance with the Lord guaranteed based on the history, the pastimes of the Lord as opposed to Here's a, um, a a part of the Lord that is getting everything from the Lord and going absolutely nowhere. But what do you you how do you weigh that? You have to have a great amount of intelligence 
And as I said, sometimes you'll find that the very simple living, and I don't mean simple-minded as being unaware and unintelligent, but very simple-thinking individuals can take so easily to God consciousness and Krishna consciousness as opposed to someone that is uh, book-learned or higher-educated who's going to analyze to the max this information, and they are so imperfect. Their senses are imperfect. How can you analyze the Lord? How can you analyze how? But you have individuals that do not have that level of intelligence or choose not to have that level of intelligence. And, you know, it's just a matter. Either you are for the Lord or you are against the Lord. Either you are for a higher life or you are for a lower life. It's either or. But some of the most intelligent individuals, some of the most uh, richest individuals have fallen uh, simply because their priorities were not in the right place. But thank you for sharing that. Did you want to? Yes, please. Uh, the microphone. Yes, Kim. Thank you so much. Your classes are always inspiring and uplifting and really informative, even if we've read it before. Thank you. So I always look at the language and the words and my brain does, you know, an association really Mm -hmm. quickly. So when I see Ravana, the first thing that came to my mind was ravenous. Was ravenous, ah. A ravenous person. Yes, yes, This yes. is the exact behavior of someone Ravana who is ravenous. ravenous. Mm. A ravenous, ravenous. And I think maybe there is a relation, I don't know, but the actions kind of, maybe it's just coincidental, I don't know, but a ravenous person who's want, you know, wants to and get this. Did. And, and he did, exactly. So that's interesting to me. And then my next point was, um, Naratal mentioned how we have these desires. And I read something that it was like we're a raindrop, but we came down to this earth. And Mm. as soon as we touched it, it became muddy. Mm. So we Mm. have material desires because we're in the material world. Yes. So it's almost futile it seems to try to escape this somehow if we can you know take an observation role and understand we don't have to freak out about it we don't have to struggle you know in our minds about that i've got these desires stop start you know Mm. a good car a bad car you know Mm. all these things and and we can take it easy like that um, because we know that's true. our desires can't be the way we want them to be that's because true. of where we're at. True. It, it got all very good, you know, very lost in translation analysis. when we came down here. And then there was one other thing. Okay. Um, when, you know, Ravana is promising these people all this stuff, mm-hmm. buying these friends, and at the time of their death, you know, all of these things that you've been promised. And what are they left with? When I think about this situation, the only thing that comes to my mind is fear. And I feel like I Mm. had that feeling Mm. 
mm-hmm. before I came to Krishna consciousness because my mind was set up to accumulate before that time. I don't know when the time's coming. All yes. this, and that pro, pro, is a proponent of fear. Mm-hmm. So when I know now, like I, I, I can't be bought by those things. Uh, it's not concerning. Then Absolutely. my time, Absolutely. when that time is coming, is not filled with fear. What am I left with? I'm left with the thought of I could be liberated. Absolutely. So those are my thoughts. Very Thank good, you so much. Very good thinking. Thank you. Very good thinking. Thank you yeah. for sharing that. Hare Krishna. And you're so young. I mean, but you're so old in your mind. And you have people that are so much older than you that have lived but they don't have that common sense to realize all of the parties you give, all of the friends you accumulate, all of the lavish lifestyle you have, the vacation. What do you have at the moment of death? You're Mars, right. Fear. I had it. I experienced it. I had the the high rise and the, you know, with like a pretty woman in the penthouse suite mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the, and it uh, Empty. Mm-hmm. It's a fact. It, the, the people have these uh, stories and these examples. It is legitimate. It will not satisfy you. You can no. have all of the designer mm. labeled names, fancy. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. But aren't we fortunate enough to be devotees to understand the way things work? And just to be able to share that with someone and they understand it, to get them to share that with someone else would just raise the level of consciousness in this world. You know, Krishna doesn't ask for much. All he says is, he's saying, I love you, come back home. Come back home. He owns everything. What can this world give us that's permanent? Nada. Nothing. But t- over time, people become so deluded and so covered. So it's just very fortunate to have this knowledge uh, and to possess it and to pass it on. And it just helps to live in this world with all the crazy things going on. You're right. You don't have to get blown away by all the things that are happening. You don't get, not that you ignore it. But you understand there's something higher, there's a purpose for whatever is happening. You pray it on and you pray it up and you learn to love and serve Krishna more and see if you can help someone else. And in the process, always be available to someone that's actually serving the Lord because the Lord likes to see us getting along. We become a thorn in the guru's foot when devotees do not get along. That's a disturbance. It's unnecessary. Thank you so much. High-level information from all of you. Thank you so much. It's like you, you fill the room with knowledge. You don't have to have a 100 people in the room. I do well with this number. I do. I, I, I'm, I enjoy it. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Hare Krishna. Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Gorbamananda. Hare Krishna. Holy Spirit.